We've been looking for the past three weeks, and this, this morning is our fourth week at examining what it means to be a neighbor. And when we, when I've sat down and put this on the calendar, even typing the word neighbor, it's a weird word, is it not? It's one that you, you start to type out or write out and it doesn't sound or write out as you think it would. And it's even a stranger concept in our culture. Because in our culture, we have been taught, we've been trained that people want to be anonymous, they want to be secluded, um, and we don't want to encroach upon their space. Uh, And so it's an idea that is difficult for us in this world, but yet Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we've we've examined thus far in this, this last month, in the month of May, we've examined the story of the Good Samaritan, where we focused on the need to become a neighbor. Instead of evaluating every person and say, are they our neighbor? What qualifies them as our neighbor? Instead to say, who are we a neighbor to? Who can we become a neighbor to? As we continued in the examination, we looked at neighbors who are willing to stop long enough to listen, slow down enough to learn the needs of those that are around us, in our community, in our workplace, to hear what's going on in their lives, to be neighbors. Then last Sunday, we looked at the familiar story of Zacchaeus and how complicated it can be and confusing it can be and difficult it can be to love those that our world would deem as unlovable on the outskirts, on the outside. But Jesus stepped into that through the commands and also passed that on to us through his command, his power, and the promise to make disciples. And I've had some encouraging conversations with a couple of you couple of encouraging emails to you about how you have gone about filling out your card. We, the first week of this, we handed out these cards. There's still some out in the lobby um, that give you some instructions on the back of, of how do you begin to pray for? How do you begin to get to know your neighbor? And we're going to build on that as the summer goes on. This is not just a four-week vaccination on neighboring where at the end of today, you can just kind of wipe it all clear and go, oh, He's done with that, all right? Um, We're definitely not done with that because we see this as a command. And some of you have shared with me some encouraging things that have happened um, in your neighborhood, while you've been walking, while you've been praying, um, some opportunities that God has given you um, to celebrate those around you. So some great things to see. But my, my prayer has been that we would learn to see people as people, is that we would really learn to become a group of people as a follower of as followers of Jesus Christ that we would no longer look at people as projects or them but we would look at people as people and realize that all around you are people that have needs they've got desires they have dreams they have broken dreams they have spiritual desires they have longings they have loss they have struggles those who have rejected claims of faith and those who are waiting for someone to share it there are neighbors They're all around me. They're all around you. Some of your neighbors are close, maybe too close. Some of your neighbors are a little bit distant. Some of your neighbors are those that you've come in contact with and through at work. But the command from Jesus from Matthew chapter 22 is this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Now see, if he would have just stopped there, it would have been one thing to love my neighbor, to show them care, to show them compassion. But he raises the stakes from the Shema, from Deuteronomy, brings this into to play, into practice for the believers of the day. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. 
So don't just love them, but treat them the way that you would want to be treated. Love them the way that you would desire to be treated. So this morning, our final passage in this series is going to come not out of the book of Luke, of which I had planned for it to come, um, but as I began and continued to prepare this week, was led uh, to a, a different account of a story that's found in the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but this morning we're going to look at it through the recording of Mark chapter 24, uh, Mark, Mark, Mark chapter 5, sorry to confuse you there, verse 21 is where we'll pick up. Jesus had been sought at this point uh, to go and to care for one who was sick, um, and a ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus had come to Jesus and said, I've got a sick daughter, would you come to my house? So Jesus is in progress, making his way uh, to give healing to what the story ends up telling us that she had passed to raise her back from the dead. But in his uh, travel there, there's another encounter that I want us to see, one that many of you are going to be familiar with. It begins in the second part of verse 24. And it said, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. I want us to pause for a minute, and if we can, I want to immerse ourselves in this story. I want to get real close to this woman, because when we read through this, I need you to understand, and you need to be reminded if you've already heard the story, of the complexities that are coming about in this woman's life because of her medical condition. Because of her medical condition, this bleeding that had taken place for 12 years, the the confines to which she had been placed under were severe. Nobody was going to be her neighbor. Let's make that clear. Nobody was going to be her close neighbor because she was considered, by Jewish tradition and heritage, she was considered unclean. She could not be in the presence. She could not go to public gatherings. She could not go to worship. She could not approach the rabbi. She could not inside the temple courts. There was a a court for women. She could not go into the court for women, not just for the last couple of years, but for 12 years. Imagine the lack of community that she had. The lack of friendship, she was unclean. You are not to be around her, not to associate with her. And and it says in this passage that she had consulted every physician and things were just continuing to get worse. No doubt she would have consulted. There was a a, a document there, the, the Talmud, which included Jewish traditions and laws and even legends. And it recorded different ways to get rid of different illnesses. It had 11 different ways that you could self-treat yourself for what she was dealing with. One of those, listen to this, one of those was a homemade remedy that you would carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in summer and a cotton rag in the winter along with you as you walked. And that would get rid of it. Didn't get rid of it. No doubt she had tried everything. You carry this long enough, you go through the difficulties, and Scripture said she had gone to countless doctors, no cure. She had to have the same thing as every other woman had had of that day, dreams, things to be a part of in culture, relationships to be a part of, friendships to have, 
trips to the synagogue that she could not participate, trips to participate in the Passover that she could not be a part of for 12 years. She had no community. You see, there's a reason why some stories, like like Zacchaeus last week, get stories, right? And get songs. There's no song for this lady's story. You, you can't write a song for 12 years of bleeding, no doctors, no cure, no hope. doesn't make for a good song. But it's her life. Again, the wording, 12 years, many physicians spent all she had. She was broke. She was desperate. No doubt she was lonely. And she was searching. She had little expectation of ever gaining healing. Verse 27 tells us, the story becomes familiar again to us. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in around you? And yet you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You you get the sense from these verses that this woman, out of her desperation, goes to find Jesus and finds healing. And you sense in this moment this fear of, oh my goodness, he's searching for the person who touched him. I need to just step forward. And she pushes her way through the crowd and she makes her way in front of Jesus. And Jesus said to her, daughter. Daughter. As if the physical healing were not enough. She had been alienated, ostracized, pushed to the edge of culture. And here comes this rabbi miracle worker, heals her from the inside out. And he says, daughter. In one touch, she had gone from being an exile of the community to what everybody wanted to hear about. In one moment, she had gone from being the outcast of society to being the daughter of this rabbi. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Notice the disciples. (laughs) Who touched me? Their response is, do you see the crowd? You want to know who touched you? A lot of people touched you. No, but somebody touched me, pursuing healing, pursuing something. If I, she says, and earlier on in the verse, verse 28, it says, if I even touch his garments, I'll be made well. No doubt Jesus is the hero of this story. There's no doubt that Jesus is the one, uh, the hero of this story, and also of all of us who put our faith and trust in him. 
but he is on his way to heal someone in a different town, in a different place, and an unclean woman joins in the fray, and she experiences healing because of her faith in the power of Jesus Christ. What a moment. What a moment for her to become a daughter, to become healed. What a moment for this community. So I want to rewind. Now that we know the story, the plight of this woman, the healing of her that had taken place, Jesus continues on his journey. I want to rewind for a minute back up to verse 27. I want us to see something. She had heard the reports about Jesus. The New American Standard said, after hearing about Jesus, the NIV says, when she heard about Jesus, she had heard the reports about Jesus. I don't know how. I don't want to put circumstances in here that aren't here, but we don't know exactly how she heard. We don't know if she was at the market one day, standing at a distance because she was unclean and and heard of someone saying, this Jesus, he's, he's in the next town over. He's giving sight to the blind. That sounds promising. He's in the next town over and he's giving hearing to the deaf. There could be hope coming for me. Maybe it wasn't like that. Maybe she was just in the crowd and she was standing inside of her home and she saw the crowd beginning to to gather and to begin to push its way through the town as they were on their way and she asked the question, who is this? Whatever took place, someone shared with her what Jesus was doing. She heard about Jesus. It's undeniable from this passage. Someone spoke into her the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Somebody was a neighbor that knew her longing. Somebody was her neighbor that knew she'd locked herself away after 12 years of trying. Somebody may have knocked on the door, not going inside because she's unclean, and said, hey, you might have a chance coming around the corner. He's given sight to the blind, he's healing, and he is confounding the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. I don't know how the story came to her, but the story came to her, and it came to a desperate woman in great need. What I love about this story, what I love about this verse, is it doesn't tell us the name. It doesn't tell us that she heard about Jesus from her mother-in-law. It doesn't say she heard about Jesus from her father. It doesn't say she heard about Jesus from a young man in the community and gave his name. It doesn't say that she heard about Jesus from a pastor who was going to go report that she came to Jesus at an associational meeting. It wasn't somebody who was wanting to get credit for anything. She heard about Jesus from somebody that I would call a neighbor. Because we determined in week one that a neighbor is not for us to consider who is the neighbor, but who do we become a neighbor toward? Who has a need in their life that we can meet? The greatest need of all is a need to have a relationship with Jesus. And she had this need. And so someone somewhere became a neighbor, a group of people, a crowd of people. We don't know, but somebody became a neighbor to interject to her. Your greatest need may just be met coming around the corner. And his name is Jesus. 
Our greatest gift to our neighbor is making known the name of Jesus. Our greatest gift to our neighbor is making known the name of Jesus. But in order to do that, in some of the lives of people that are around us, we've got to know the need. Someone knew her need. Someone knew that she needed to experience healing. One author said it this way, when we honestly ask ourselves, which people in our lives, which one mean the most to us? We often find that it is those who, instead of giving us advice, solutions, or cures, are the ones who have chosen rather to share our pain, touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. We're called to be the hands, Scripture says, and feet of Jesus Christ. We're called to be just like whomever it was that interjected this moment into her life. We're called to be those folks in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Our desire is to make known the name of Jesus in every neighborhood, every trailer park, every apartment complex, every retirement village, every a neighborhood where the home's priced in the thousands to the hundreds of thousands, every one of those neighborhoods has someone in them that need to hear about Jesus. One of the reasons why, the primary reason why we are working with and launching another church in a different community in Davidson County, Cornerstone Community Church, is because there's a neighborhood of people that need to know the name of Jesus. In a couple of weeks, one of the pastors is going to be sharing with you a little bit more about that and where they're going to be meeting and some things that they're going to be, ways that you can participate and be a part of. But there's other ways. Because in your neighborhood, there's a woman like this. It may not be an illness that's plagued her for 12 years. It may be the loss of a spouse of 12 years. Or 22 years. In every one of your neighborhood, there's someone who is experiencing the pain and the brokenness of this sinful world. Who are in despair, who are in fear and living in worry of what we see and experience even this week overseas who are looking, who are searching, who have found themselves for whatever reason to be maybe on the outskirts of society, marginalized for whatever reason, whatever lifestyle, they found themselves on the outside, and guess what? They need to hear about Jesus. It may not be a sickness that your neighbor's facing. It may be that they're trapped in what we call in our house the comparison trap. Because you don't live in a, in a neighborhood that looks like someone else's. You may live in a neighborhood of certain citizenship, certain class of citizens. And their comparison may be, their struggle may be, their anxiousness may be, their fear may be that they don't measure up to the people beside them. And for 12 years or 20 years, they've been trying to measure up to the lady that lives next door, to the family that lives next door, who has the kids that live next door, and they're drowning in trying to search for their own identity. They're looking and they're searching, and they need to hear about Jesus. There may well be someone in your neighborhood, someone in your apartment complex, someone who lives around the corner, someone you work with, who they or their family member are facing 20 years 
of cancer. And while we can meet many needs in their lives, and we are called to, our end goal is not to make serving great, but to make known the name of Jesus. Through our serving, we make the name of Jesus great. This is our desire behind planting churches, missional groups that are meeting in homes, groups that you're a part of on a Sunday morning. Some of you are part of on a Sunday afternoon or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday morning. Some of you in your seats, not in your seats, but in your bulletins, I heard they all got given out really early this morning, so you may not have one in your bulletin, but in some of your bulletins, maybe there's a flyer for Davidson County Social Services has contacted us and said, we need more foster families. How often does a government agency approach a church and say, we need your help? And they come to us as a church and several other churches, not sheerly because of the quantity of workers that have come from our church and other churches in Davidson County, but because of the quality that I believe is not driven by a desire simply to have children, but to interject Jesus into their lives. And this is happening in countless families in our church, in our home. And I was doing baptism in the first service and watching someone baptize one of our children and looked across and saw one of our families that had been directly impacted by this. Now, some of these moments of fostering and adoption are painful. Other ways to be involved that we can make you aware of. But again, how often does a government agency come to the church and say, we need you to fill this gap? And if you have a fear of fostering, I just want to say this. One of the greatest statements I ever heard about fostering, because one of the greatest, uh, one of the most uh, used reasons, excuses for not fostering and adopting is people say, well, if I love on the child, I might have to give them back. And this foster adoptive parent said, well, that sounds horrible. A child gets to be loved for a season of their life. There are even those in these moments that these parents and these foster parents will share the name of Jesus. And it may be 12 years before it resonates in that child's mind. Before they meet. Last year, we were doing season of sharing. We were up in downtown Thomasville. We were handing out cups of coffee. One of our foster families, I didn't share this in the first service, just came to my, my, my brain. I was standing behind there handing out cups of coffee and this young man came forward and he asked for a cup of coffee and he looked over and saw the lady stand beside me and he hadn't seen her in four or five years and that was his former foster mom. Tears formed in both their eyes. A reconnection took place and I promise you that that mom is sharing the name of Jesus. A couple of our church members took this one step further. They, they, filed for in our nonprofit called IMJ3. They have an office in downtown Lexington. When Davidson County Senior Social Services has a new foster child that comes to them, the first phone call they make for that foster family is to IMJ3. They supply them with a gift card. They supply them with a Bible. They supply them with clothes for that child. They're the first phone call they make so they can share the name of Jesus. This morning and in a little while, you're going to take up an offering. And during that offering, you, you need to know that here on Memorial Day, part of that offering is going towards something I got in my pocket. It comes from Faith by Hearing. It's a Bible stick. It contains the New Testament read, dramatized. It also contains some of the Psalms. 
It also contains a 40-day listening plan. And these are given to the men and women who are serving our country and deployed all over the world. Yeah. And we're not looking, we don't stamp our name on these and say Rich Fork. It doesn't have Southern Baptist stamped across it. You know what it says? It says, listen to this and be introduced to Jesus. Let's share the name of Jesus. Let's don't worry about, let's serve, let's continue to love, let's continue to volunteer, but let's make sure on the forefront of our brains and our tongues is the name of Jesus Christ. Our goal is not to make serving great and the be all and end all, but to make the name of Jesus great. We built ramps in Davidson County. Some of you in this room have, have had one built. Some of you have helped build one of those ramps for different organizations. This is a wonderful opportunity to share the grace of Jesus Christ. Groups that meet, men and women who are memorizing God's word, who are studying God's word. The goal is not for just them to get around in a circle and say we love each other, but to love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, and their strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves, to share the name of Jesus. This week we celebrated Awana, finished up their first, uh, first year that we had here. Over 150 children in that program on Wednesday nights. Several, almost all of our children memorized 30 plus verses in that time period. One of our children, yeah, one of our children memorized 125 verses in 40 weeks. 125 verses. And my prayer is that she doesn't just have those verses memorized, but when she becomes a teenager, when she becomes a young mom, when she is a senior adult, that those words are quick on her heart and she hears the name of Jesus through everyone. We're not just here to serve. We're here to make the name of Jesus known. One of the reasons we've stepped alongside with Chick-fil-A, kind of a crazy partnership with Camp Windshape that we're hosting here in two weeks from tomorrow is we're working alongside of other churches and other groups in our community who are doing a better job reaching different children in our community than we are. And that's okay. But we want to partner with them, give them an opportunity, give them another way and us another way to reach people and share the name of Jesus. We don't do this to make the name of Rich Fork great. We don't do this to name, make the name of a pastor great. We do this to make the name of Jesus known. Because I would love for us to be, verse 27, I'd love for us to be the unwritten person, the unwritten church in verse 27. She heard the reports. Where did she hear from? I don't know. Well, how did they hear? I don't know. What church was it? Doesn't matter. They heard the name of Jesus and are making his name great. This four-week series is not for you to go, okay, wow, I got this little bingo-looking card full of my neighbors. Great, I know their names. No, it's for you to be burdened by their need to know and profess Jesus as their Savior. Every single one of us, every single one of us, no matter your age, no matter where you are in your stage of life, you've been placed in a role already that you are serving someone else. Every single person in this room, you're making phone calls, you're checking on, you're calling on, you're visiting, you're coming to church with, you're working for, you're working under, you're serving in some capacity. And I want to challenge you this morning as our last statement of this, last push of this last four weeks, is in what role have you been placed to serve where you need to make known the name of Jesus? 
where you need to move from, I'm just going to continue to serve, and that's great, but I'm going to lift that up higher, and I'm going to make, name, make known the name of Jesus. I'm going to make his name great as I care for my grandchildren. I'm going to make his name great as I sing in the choir. I'm going to make his name great as I work in whatever field I work in. I'm going to make his name great as I hear the needs of my grandchildren. I can't go visit them, but I can pray for them as I make known the name of Jesus in whatever place God has placed you. Neighboring is never about us. It's about the name of Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And it drove her to join a crowd, push through, touch the garment of a rabbi, and experience healing and become a daughter. That's what Miss Brenda experienced today. That's what the young lady in the first service and the third service, that's what they're experiencing is giving their lives, trusting in Jesus Christ as we share the name of Jesus. What role have you been placed? How are you serving right now? How am I serving right now? Where am I serving where I need to make known the name of Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you for the faithfulness of your word. Thank you, God, that we not only can preach Mark chapter 5, but we can see Mark chapter 5 happen in our midst even today. Different stories, different ages, different backgrounds. Symbolized this morning through baptism. And so God, this morning we come and we celebrate that. And God, we're not looking to be able to say to someone, we did this. But we're, we're able now to leave this place and say, God, today, I, neighbor, today I saw, coworker, today I saw, yesterday I saw in church, I saw someone who was 70 plus years, trusting Jesus Christ as her Savior and give their life to Jesus. They need to hear from us as believers the name of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, the healings that come through Jesus physically, emotionally, spiritually that take place, that have happened in our lives. They need to hear our stories. They are our stories that you've given us. You are the hero. God, help us make your name great. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be burdened with, to be charged with from your word, the commandment to go, the power to go, the directions to go. So God, may we be obedient. In Jesus' name.